At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Guys, welcome back to Conspiracy Normal. Uh, it's your host Adam, and we're sitting here on our comfortable couch. And Serfiel is here, the big, comfy Conspiracy Normal couch. That's right. That's right. Uh, we're going to talk about something um, really, really interesting and kind of disturbing and a little bit scary today. And we've got William Ramsey with us. And we're going to talk about his book, Global Death Cults, talking about the uh, order of nine angles in the Adam Waffen. And William, uh, I've had you on, it's been two or three times, I'm thinking. It's got to have been. Uh, the last time we talked about the, uh, the smiley face killers. And um, I, th- I think... It's been so long since I had you on before that that I can't even remember what we what we talked about. Uh, I've done so many shows. Maybe it was yeah. probably the spot. Uh, it was probably West Memphis Three. I don't think I've ever had you on about that one. Okay. I think we did briefly talk about it. Yeah. Cold nine eleven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We did talk about the Aleister Crowley stuff. Uh, we talked about yeah the the ninety three and and all that. All the, and I had the children of the beast. I had you on about that too. We talked about. We talked about all that as well, but uh, we're going to talk about the Order of Nine Angles and the Adam Waffen. And I guess to start out, uh, we and as I was telling you in the like pre-show banter, like this is something that I really did not know much about. I saw the news story last year about the Order of Nine Angles and how it was kind of like infiltrated the military. And there was some concern about that. And after that, I really didn't hear anything about it. I might have heard some things here or there. And the Adam Waffen stuff, I've not heard about um, at all. So this, a lot of this is kind of like new territory to me. Uh, Serfiel knows a little bit about some of this, uh, like the, the, the James Mason and the Siege stuff, which we'll get to, but... What, what made you want to write a book about these two groups? 
Well, I think it just came came out of my interest from the smiley face killers. I was curious about what kind of ideologies were out there in secret. And when I kind of learned and read about the LNA, I was like, oh, wow. So these, these guys have a completely more uh, vicious view of Satanism than these other groups that are out there. So that really led me to really start reading their core documents. And then I, as I was doing that, kind of reading their stuff, other events that were associated with the ONA popped up. There was a murder that took place in Toronto, Canada. The guy's name was William Von Nudigem, who on his YouTube channel has like an ONA chant. So I watched kind of that event kind of unfold. He hasn't even gone to trial yet. He's still in jail. Mm-hmm. And so then I kept looking at these other kind of occurrences and just through my research kind of led me to this kind of far right group in the U S called Adam, called Adam Waffen division. And some of the researchers and some other journalists have, you know, uh, seen that they have some far right occultism in there. So there's a connection between ONA and Adam Waffen, which is supposedly disbanded, but Adam Waffen only started in the 2015. So some of the stuff is fairly new and some of these occurrences and murders and, crimes that are really kind of novel. And I think that's what led me to write this book was try to explain the strange uh, kind of underground series of, of group, or really this groups and how it kind of came out of the UK and crossed the Atlantic to the United States. Yeah, it seems like a, a lot of the stuff are from these kind of like countercultural projects of the extreme right and white supremacists in the 80s and 90s. And they kind of were incubating and now really found their place online for this, for a new generation. Yes, definitely. Yeah. It's very well said. I think that's exactly what happened because I don't think the founders of the ONA, when they started writing it, whether it was David Myatt or him working with other people uh, knew that it would be disseminated so rapidly through the internet, which is really what, what has happened. So th- these documents are, are readily accessible. It's just a matter of whether, people are reading them or not. But I think I show in my book, a lot of these Adam, there was actually a fight within Adam Waffen about whether they were going to just kind of be your standard national socialist or go the route of kind of a cult or esoteric Nazism. Have you gone on any of these like bulletin boards and stuff to try to like kind of suss this stuff out and like figure out like, I mean, I'm sure that that's kind of a, a dark place to go to. Have you spent a lot of time on this? A lot of those boards have been shut down. So a lot of these guys kind of go online. One with the original one was called Iron March. It was really like a fascist one. Mm -hmm. And there was another one called Fascist Forge. But there has been other kind of researchers. A lot of the Antifa guys kind of keep their eyes on the far right. And so they've uh, had some really good research into some of these characters. And then also another message board called Kiwi Farms. Kiwi Farms has a lot of threads with about Adam Waffen. So a lot of people are providing this information. And one of the chapters about Suvana Roth, who kind of was a Asian Nazi sympathizer who tried to, or wanted to carry out uh, kind of a Columbine style massacre. She was, they had great information about her on Kiwi Farms. So there has been kind of a public uh, research you know, groups on certain places online for sure. Okay. And before we go into kind of like the history of the yeah. order of nine angles, which is probably where, where we'll start. Mm-hmm. Um, these groups are different than your, 
you know, traditional fascist organized, more political groups, because they come from, on one hand, like Order of Nine Angles come from this, um, this kind of a cult background. Uh, and Adam Waffen comes from the, the ideology of like James Mason and the, the siege stuff, which was more of this like nihilistic Nazism about just causing total chaos, social and political breakdown. And then they, you know, of course, self-appoint themselves as they, they will be the new rulers, which is why they looked up to Charles Manson so much. So this isn't like your, right. your usual, you know, like organized uh, Nazi groups. They're like, very nihilistic yeah they're a different different iteration like post-hitler nazis it's a different view and they have these different ideas and james mason and siege was important but they've integrated some other ideas from Maya and ona some of these other Mm -hmm. uh, occultists for sure and i mean i think that the guy who helped edit the fourth edition of james mason's book siege he had ONA materials required reading once he became head, head of Adam Waffen. So that's kind of why I have that title of the book, because they do overlap. Yeah. And the I, I guess a, an overarching theme would be like occultism is a means to an end of uh, self-transformation to uh, become these, you know, like a, a Ubermensch, I guess they think they, they are becoming. Ubermensch, a new man. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that they transcend morality. And this is a lot of the order nine angle stuff is about uh, transgressive things like harming, killing people so that you then, you know, can become this warrior to carry out whatever their ideological goals are. Yes, definitely. That's, I think that was their real core, their core documents really uh, involved culling, but Myatt kind of was, had two interests. He kind of had overlapping national socialist interests and occultism at the same time, according to his own biography. So he was developing and he kind of went through a Crowley phase. So he's really a kind of a post Crowley. And you could tell that he knew about the church of Satan, Satan and the temple of set and under the false pseudonym of uh, Stephen Brown was in communication with guys like Aquino. So, and I include that in my book. So you can kind of see how this ideology kind of morphed and, and advanced over kind of earlier Satanism, but uh, you can definitely see, almost kind of like the same concepts in Nazism are there in this group. So you see the new man, the Untermenschen, they would call them a different name. So they would be Homo Galacticus and then Homo Gubrati or Mundanes. And we're, it's us against them. And so you they have this kind of almost similar kind of view that uh, I think the Nazis did. So I think that you can see that, that national socialistic influence in Mayat's writing in the ONA for sure. And he right. seems to have really been like a, a wanderer. I mean, he's he went through so many phases. It seemed like Myatt. Um, yeah, he, he became like a fundamentalist Muslim. Um, hmm. All kinds of different occult phases. And yeah, it was in a Catholic uh, you know yeah, monastery yeah. for for eighteen months. So but, you yeah, can look, see that influence in the ONA too. Let's talk about David Myatt because I mean, this starts with him. I mean, he's the founder of the Order of Nine Angles. So this guy, I mean, like Sir Fiel said, he goes through so many permutations of his life, gets involved with so many things. Uh, kind of take us through, like, you know, how he comes up with the Order of Nine Angles, what its purpose for him is. Well, I think that he came, you know, his father was a colonial 
Englishman. So he was involved in, I think his father was involved in working outside of England. So he was able to travel a lot. He went to college. So he was educated, but he was also a national socialist. And I think really he started, he was really, I mean, the guy's clearly very intelligent and I would call him a magus. There's actually writings in, in some of the ONA stuff, they call him witch king. Uh, but they, he definitely has, has kind of wrestled with history, but he came out after looking at philosophy and history and saying national socialism is the way. And uh, I think also that occultism at the same time, uh, esoteric Nazism was really written into the ONA from the, really from the beginning. So the earliest documents have this uh, Hitler as avatar outlook where they, they see time from the beginning when Hitler was born in 1889. They call it the year of Fayan, which can be translated year of rejoicing or year of the king. And so you see all these kind of old English uh, references in, in the stuff. But the ONA, I think at its core, was an attempt to infiltrate and, and bring in national socialist ideas that were not really politically possible, uh, popular. So I think it was another way for Myatt and the founders to really disseminate these ideas in, in secret and use it through this kind of cell structure, which they would call a Nexion. So they would kind of almost like a multi-level marketing scheme where they would have small groups and those groups would form other groups. And I think that was what his intent. And that's really why I called the global, global death cult because all those pernicious ideas have disseminated through the world, world through the internet. And you can see these Nexions, and I have a whole chapter in the book just about uh, some of these places that are in different countries. So, um, but I think to answer your question, the core ideas were really his fusing of kind of national socialism and, and Satanism. And some of that came out of what he saw as like the failures of the elements of the extreme right that he was involved in, in, in the UK. And so, and I mean, I think he writes about like, they didn't never really reached any popular uh, movement kind of like the Nazis did. They were always trying to, but they couldn't really get it through. And I think it's very important to see him as somebody mixing with a lot of these Nazi leaders on the far right, these other characters that maybe people in the UK know, Colin Jordan or Martin Webster. But uh, yeah, so I think that for sure, you know, that's, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's what he, that was what his references were, were these kind of people in national, was it the national action or something like that, national group that was in England. Yeah. And even at like the end of someone like uh, Willis Cardo's life, like he, he said that he felt like the, the, the trajectory of these extreme right groups are kind of like doomed to failure. And that the thing that would, the only thing that could bring about their goals would be extreme circumstances. So then it seems like he comes to the same conclusion as a lot of these people, especially in the eighties where they're like, well, the traditional uh, political organizations aren't going to work. We just need to basically try to destroy social order. And then out of the ruins of that, we can build something. Right. Like accelerationism. And I think that that's really was what some of this occultism that uh, Maya put together really was, was infiltration. And so you kind of see uh, a lot of his people, like he, you talk about all of those different things in his life. Well, he wrote into his ideology, this idea of insight roles. 
So you could say these certain parts of Maya's life were gaining insight in these roles. But if you were really an occultist before a national socialist, you'd be learning these different things with the idea to spread chaos and dissension and, and accelerate the downfall of societies as an occultist in these far right movements. But I think Mayat really joined and became a far kind of a radical Muslim for that insight role because it, their, their ideas were somewhat similar to his, like even the National Socialists, it was all racialism and violence and murder. And I think that's really what Mayat was promoting through mm -hmm. in his occult works. Well, I'll ask you about, uh, you know, kind of the anti-Christian idea between it, uh, behind all this as well. You know, like they, they refer to it as like, you know, the, I guess, Magian or also Nazarene um, and those ideas. And, and, and a little bit of elaboration on like this whole idea of like culling of the mundanes and kind of like what that means and. Right. So culling is like a husbandry term. So culling is like when you kill off animals. So their idea and when, when right. Maya as Stephen Brown was writing to the temple of said, it was like what dis distinguishes us from other satanic groups is our attitude towards culling. It's very important to us. So they have this idea that you're supposed to literally kill people and it's written into their early um, doctrine. So they had this septenary way or sevenfold way and the fifth way is you're supposed to conduct a human sacrifice or a cooling. So uh, the steps that you're supposed to advance in the ONA, at least as it's originally written, were, you know, depend upon cooling, but you're also supposed to um, do it in secret. So people aren't supposed to, to kind of, for, uh, deter, you know, uh, only the insiders know that you're killing. But here's one thing that uh, Mayat wrote, if, if there's one thing which expresses the essence of the satanic ethos, it is calling. And if there's one way to detect a pseudo-satanist, it is their attitude toward calling. So uh, they use this term called opfer, which is a German term for sacrifice. And their view is they are kind of an, uh, kind of an SS unit of people. And the other people who aren't of them are the mundanes. And uh, you know, he writes, those who are not our kindred brothers or sisters are mundanes. So they distinguish in the writings, distinguish themselves from kind of normal human beings and stuff like that. Right. And that anti-Christian stance as well, as saying that like Christianity, of course, comes from Judaism. And that's a way to kind of like, I guess, bring out your inner pagan and all these type of things. Um you know, and, and the occultism that I guess that he was interested in as well, I guess that he kind of pulled some of that from Crowley, but I think that there was a lot of it that was, uh, he, it really, his stuff just seems like such a mishmash of just about everything you could think of. I, think. I agree. I think a lot of druidic ideas, pagan and sure. druidic ideas. Right. Because they're always going out into the forest. There's very strong kind of like uh, you go out and like one of their uh, paths of, uh, advancement is to go out and lie down in the forest from sundown to sunset sunrise so you like sit there for 12 hours and just kind of feel what's going on in, in the forest and you'll see all these pictures or imagery that are associated with the lna are all kind of like uh you know lonely forests and things like that so i, th I do think that he 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 brought in ideas from a lot of different stuff so the magian state is the ideas of this guy by the name of yaki who was a fascist yeah. and you know, an anti kind of Christian. He wrote Imperium, right? Imperium, right. Excellent. Yeah. So Imperium. So that was influential on the, in the far right groups. 
so yeah so they had contempt for nazarenes and and some people are like well what does this include i think it includes christians jews anything really from the kind of judeo christian tradition they have contempt for them and you can see it in their rituals if the people are doing these rituals it's like you know we spit on jesus and blah 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 it's pretty pretty vicious and you've got other like heads of this as well like that you talk about uh christos based um i guess chloe ortega ford yeah what's some of their influence on this order well i think that they just kind of carried on with the 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 standard ona tradition so this guy christos beast whose name the real name is richard molt did uh kind of their own tarot cards so you'll see a lot of this the symbols and imagery of the ONA are on these tarot cards. They're called the Sinister Tradition tarot cards. But he also kind of was in communication with other people. They called it the outer head, which is similar to what was going on at the OTO. They had an outer head of the order. And so they're in communication with other interested parties or, or possibly recruiting new people. And uh, Ford was an interesting character because he also kind of was in his writing his own satanic literature. And somehow became associated with the ONA. And uh, I guess the ONA members said he wasn't dutiful towards Order of Nine Angles ideas. And so he was gone. And so then there's this young kid who's like from California. There's two girls who were, who were talking to Molden. I guess she became the outer head. Her name is Chloe. And uh, I guess she's the current outer head. And there's a lot, there's still posting and things like that. There's still activity with this group. And, the t- I mean, a lot of the stuff is on the surface. I have no idea really what's going on underneath the surface communication, but they just actually had a guy. It was interesting. He just got convicted and I, I write about him in my book, but uh, he just got convicted at the old Bailey in the UK and his, I'm trying to remember what it was. He was part of the Sonning Creek division. So they had these other kind of global fascist uh offshoots one was sonic creek the other's fewer fewer creek and he was called dimock and he actually just got sentenced but they found that he was in communication with this other guy denton who was the head of adam wolf and so you see this and he was also kind of an occultist he's actually a member of the temple of blood according to one mm-hmm. journalist denton was a member of the temple of blood before he became the head of adam wolf so yeah so all this stuff really kind of cross-pollinates with each other like it's all yeah everything that you talk about in this book, there's like just like a cross section between them. Uh, so in, I guess in the late nineties, 1997, I believe that there was, and I forget, the guy's name escapes me, but there David was, Copeland? yes, that's it. The nail bomber. He, yeah. He actually, um, acted out what, uh, Myatt was actually, um, advocating. And, I guess Myatt actually tried to distance himself or there was some kind of, um, you know, not taking the responsibility, but he was heavily into this uh, order. Right. So they have, right. So there's actually a really good documentary about the London bomb. I mean, he's kind of infamous in the UK because of how much damage he caused David Copeland, but there's a really good documentary on Netflix about him, but he dropped three bombs and, and like people's arms and legs were blown off. And um, they found out after he was arrested that he was the National Socialist Movement's organizer for Hampshire and Surrey. So he was associated with this group that might had started the National Socialist Movement. So after they kind of get in trouble, they rebrand. It's almost like Adam Waffen. I forgot what their new name is now. Mm-hmm. But right. uh, Copeland was definitely involved. He wanted to be famous. 
And uh, so he had kind of uh, Myatt's write, some of Myatt's ideological writing. One was called A Practical Guide to Aryan Revolution. So, um, yeah, Copeland was, uh, I think, an important part of the kind of development of this story of National Socialism to Order of Nine Angles to Adam Waffen. And um, so, and I think that you'll see that if you read Siege, by James Mason, there's a real kind of deification, and I included in this my in my book of these Nazi lone wolf killers. Yeah, and it's hard it's hard to believe, but that's the people. And actually, what's really strange about Siege when you read it is that James Mason knew some of these people who are somewhat infamous that people would know. This one guy Franklin who shot Vernon Jordan and the pornographer guy whose name I can't remember offhand. Larry Flint. Larry Flint, thank you. Yeah was like friends with James Mason and James Mason's hanging out with, I've seen pictures of him with this guy Denton and also Woodward who stabbed this kind of poor Jew, this Jewish kid, Blaise Bernstein 20 times. There's pictures of Mason with uh, Woodward. Yeah. So that's, what's weird about the siege. And you can kind of see this, these crazed killers, like even recently in um, the tree of life synagogue killing, like these, that's what these, or, or Dylan Roof yep. um, going in and shooting people. So I think it's really important for people to see how dangerous these ideas are and these people are really, that's kind of one of the reasons why I wrote the book. Before we move on, let's let's talk about James Mason and the siege, because I mean, you know, Serfiel told me about this and I mean, this, this is some crazy stuff. I mean, it's, it's like, crazy. His ideas and how this gets filtered in and like you know what uh he, like his continuing influence on some of this and the fact on that, adam waffen too tons of pictures of him with adam waffen members yeah, yeah. and it doesn't he live like off of public assistance in denver like his, in denver correct yeah right what you were saying before too it's this this idea of propaganda by deed and that when these lone wolves do these things then that uh will put the the name of these ideas and these groups out into the new cycle and then more people will discover it. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, I, I think that they're, they're attracting a dangerous contingent of people, but I think most people would be revulsed by their ideas, but uh, I do think that they, they, I mean, they're able to expand, extend their influence through the internet and through other things, how people get drawn in. And one of the important things you can learn from Siege is that people who get killed are often people on the inside who are involved, you know, so mm. it's not just like they're targeted groups, but oftentimes these national socialists kill themselves, get killed by other people. Rockwell got shot by an insider. Right. Uh, this other guy, Tomasi, got shot by mm -hmm. a competitor. They all want to be Hitler. So it makes it really hard on the inside because, you know, somebody else wants to be the Fuhrer too. So. Yeah. Um, Mason really comes up under um, Rockwell, the yeah. American Nazi party, like as a, as a very young person, I guess they kind of, they've pretty much take him in. I think he's like 15 or 16. He has problems with the law. And uh, yeah, from there, can you kind of uh, explain James Mason's trajectory and, and when siege came about? Yeah. So siege is really a collection of writings from 1980 to 1986. They were compiled by him. It's a variety of, on a variety of different subjects. Some are pretty benign, some are pretty lethal. And his idea, so you can see this kind of accelerationist theme through there. And obviously he has, he's a racist 
and anti-Christian. So he's all about the kind of similar Nazi ideas of the blood. And actually Christianity, according to him, was a triumph of the white racial blood, not of an ideology. But he ignores the fact that Christ is Jewish. That's another story. But yeah, so, um, so you see that kind of within Siege. And it's been kind of re-edited four times. The, the, the last time in 2018 was done by this guy Denton, who just got sentenced to 42 months in jail. But uh, that's you'll see a lot of these guys talking about siege culture, holding the book siege. So that's like a required reading for a lot of these people. And uh, Mason was, you know, like I think he joined the American Nazi Party at the age of 14. And he was the youngest card-carrying member of the group. And he went to go be in Arlington, Virginia, under working under George Lincoln Rockwell, who's kind of like an infamous American Nazi who ended up getting shot. Strangely enough, I lived on the same block where George uh, Rockwell got shot when I was in law school in Virginia. So I kind of was familiar with Rockwell's story, you know, 25 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I would walk right by where he ended up. I think they tore down the the shopping mall that he had put in uh, little uh, houses there, but still. He was killed. Rockwell was killed by a guy named Padler, whose last name was Pat Salos, but he changed it to be closer to Adolf Hitler. So there's a lot of crazy characters within, I mean, just the siege story itself. But uh, yeah, so you have the emphasis on Arianism and the same kind of frustrations. These guys, not, not too many people want to be Nazis. And so Mason and these other guys, you know, he, he was like in the same kind of boat as mine in some ways where Nobody really wanted to get into movement, so they're frustrated and trying to figure out other way, other ways to facilitate their political ideas. Yeah, and this, I think, in particular, the the kind of deification of Charles Manson was really due to uh, to Mason's influence, and I don't think that Charles Manson would have had his kind of countercultural, uh, you know, revamping in the '80s without without siege and even though it was done in this kind of like oh just nihilistic um tongue-in-cheek way to a lot of people um you know people like michael moynihan boyd rice and probably to a certain degree adam parfrey you know were very responsible for uh getting siege a lot larger audience and that, and thus the deification kind of, of Charles Manson as that second avatar to Adolf Hitler. Right. No, very well said. And I mean, I think that they, if you remember, you know, Manson was always talking about the racial war and there was all kinds of antagonists He's trying to blame everything on African-Americans, the crimes that he did. He was trying, you know, these, these were his ideas. So you can see that similar kind of racism and actually Mason was in contact with Manson. So they're communicating, sending letters to each other, and then Mason becomes an admirer and then starts something called the Universal Order with Manson. And that's now defunct, but that was, you know, Manson kind of had that racism, but also this kind of kind of esoteric atwa, air, trees, yeah. water, and something like he got kind of like a neo-paganism, earth worship kind of aspect to him too. So they they kind of like that. But yeah, you'll see these kind of uh, you know, liking uh, these admi- admirable writings like Mason writes writes this. Charles Manson was and is the master of this philosophy. You know, he's talking about violent revolution. So he, uh, yeah, he's he's uh, definitely an admirer. 
Yeah, it's that helter skelter idea. Uh, even even if that was kind of uh, kind of a myth, I mean, they later really roll with it. Yeah, and they actually Adam Waffen has been known. They had these hate camps. They were in um, they were in Nevada and went to and drove to this kind of famous tunnel that Charles Manson would take his followers. So they, they kind of did the same kind of pilgrimage to a Charles Manson site. So it's, yeah, this whole movement is really crazy. So they have influences of occultism, Charles Manson, all kinds of stuff. Because, I mean, to be totally honest, like, you know, I, I grew up with uh, under the influence of a lot of like Feral House books. And I I heard about Siege secondhand and that Michael Moynihan, who wrote Lords of Chaos about the black metal stuff and, and is a part of a blood axis. You know, I'd heard that he helped Mason publish it and some other things like that. But I was under the impression that Siege was just some kind of like Charles Manson glorification and not an entirely like ideologically Nazi propaganda. Yeah. Uh, you know, of the worst kind. Uh, and then when I actually, you know, did encounter the text and realized really how hardcore Moynihan was into this stuff, but along with people like Boyd Rice, they would feign that, you know, oh, no, we're just kind of nihilistic or, uh, you know, we just, this is just a revolt against the corrupt modern world, etc. But no, this is hardcore Nazi stuff. Or it's kind of got that artistic quality. Yeah, yeah or they hide behind the, art. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah no, and, it's, uh, yeah. I, I would say it's hardcore Nazi stuff. Yeah. Those guys always kind of dodge questions when you talk to these guys a lot of times that we're just S-posting, blah, 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 you know, we're not that serious. Uh, it's it's kind of a common theme when some of these guys are called for on their ideas. It's their response. Yeah. And it makes you wonder, uh, you know, I've really delved deep into some of these like countercultural projects of, uh, of some of these groups during, during the eighties, especially. And it makes you wonder like how much, uh, you know, someone like James Mason was, was pretty uh, uh, materialist and anti-religion, but, you know, I think they, they thought things like uh, um, Nordicism and, and Asatru could be useful, I, you know, maybe occultism and, and this like Nazi forms of Satanism could be useful. I just think they're extremely cynical and like willing to use anything to get these ideas out there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I mean, I think that that like if you look at the LNA, that maybe the real purpose is to rebrand Nazism into occultism and get those ideas out there under different names. Does that make sense? Because there's a lot of similarities between Nazism, but they don't use the terms like intervention that would turn people off or something like that, but they have that same kind of racism and murderous intent. I mean, the Nazis were murderous. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that they, I would think to get more popularity, they would have to rebrand. And I yeah. find it interesting that some of these people in the the, mod, the new ONA aren't even European or white or whatever. So uh, it's very strange. Yes, yeah. that is very interesting. And so, how how does this Adam Waffen group really start? Because they're directly under the influence of Siege and the ideas in Siege, but it, it's yeah. like a, the new. It's a new generation, though. It's not that '80s like countercultural fascism. It's like kids that are kind of just disconnected from anything like that they're just into these internet subcultures from reality 
Yeah, and I think that that's really the common theme of a lot of these Adam often is that they're people on the the spectrum, they're Spurgs or whatever, Asperger's guys who, uh, you know, and Adam often just started in 2015. It's not very old. It was started by a guy who is now in jail, and his name was Brandon Clint Russell, and started in Tampa. He Clint Russell was supposedly from a wealthy family or well-to-do family and uh, was living close to the University of South Florida and really organizing, came out of Iron March. So you can see pictures of him online talking to people, but he really started his kind of fascist offshoot, Adam Waffen, which I think is nuclear bomb in German. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were collect- they had all kinds of bomb making material down there. What happened was on 2017, one of his cohorts, a guy by the name of Devin Arthur, shot two other members of the group who were Himmelman and Onishuk, who had come down to visit them a few times from, uh, I think, Massachusetts or somewhere up in New England. Right. And yeah. and yeah, so then so they got they got killed and that kind of brought this whole group to the attention of the authorities after they found this guy was, you know, had bomb making material, tons of guns. And he ended up getting arrested. He actually got stopped. They, when he got stopped, he was on the run in the Keys, Florida Keys. And when the cops pulled him over and went through his car, they thought they had stopped a mass shooting because he was armed to the teeth. And then he actually went to jail for all that bomb making material. He got a five year sentence, not a very long sentence. But uh, Adam Waffen had probably 80 members at its height. And then they had another 80 people trying to get in. So they kind of had a, a kind of porch. Thing. So, but the leader really was him. He went to jail and then the leadership kind of bounced through Denton, who's now in jail. And then the, to another guy, supposedly Moriash. But uh, I would say Adam Waffen's core ideas were in a lot. And it's kind of interesting, but they were definitely influenced, in my opinion, by the LNA because the two guys who started were trying to do these insight roles. So after he started the group, Russell joined the National Guard and this other guy, Arthur's, you shot the two other people who murdered him. Uh, became a f- extremist Muslim. And that's actually why he shot these two other people is because they were teasing him for being a Muslim. But it seems like he was just following kind of this ONA doctrines of uh, insight rules. But uh, yeah, so there's there was tons of stuff they were writing online that were very for- nasty and ferocious. There were all kinds of threatening stuff, but they were doing... Uh, I think that the name of the explosive was called HMTD. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, so that's what he went to jail for. But they had all the kind of standard far right ideology and things that they admired, like Timothy McVeigh and, uh, you know, obviously Nazism. But uh, they actually had members all over the country and there were all kinds of things that happened where these guys would get arrested. There were swatting events there was people putting up flyers they do this kind of um, posterizing so you'll see kind of the ideology of the group is is disseminated through posters put up all over the place and i think that was kind of what people were doing to get initiated was going and putting posters up at colleges and things like that really nasty kind of posters of uh, violence and racism and stuff like that so but yeah so adam often supposedly disbanded in 2000 20 or yes, and became some other group. But uh, I think there's a, still a lot of people in there. And and Russell has made some statements. He's exposed to people who are in the group. And, you know, he's made some statement of uh, 
from GLE and references Manson and Adolf Hitler. So kind of uh, not very nice references, but uh, what does he say? I've become a prisoner of war in this war against society. All, all to all of those who abandon ship, woe to you. Adolf Hitler once said, there's no room in this world for cowardly people. So there's no, certainly no room for you in the Adam Waffen division. I think the same goes for all the pathetic rumor spreaders, opportunistic parasites, and any other traitors. The sword, is, the sword has been drawn. There's no turning back. And then he let he ratted out the names of three fellow Adam Waffen members. You know, I, we we noticed something, and we're going to talk a little bit more about these people. But like, we noticed a common theme is um, the Asperger syndrome. Yeah, I mean, they like they say, uh, what is it? Anders had Asperger. Some of these other guys, like this one guy, Jeremy Himmelman, had literally had like electroshock therapy. Onishuk was definitely seemed to be on the spectrum. Like they're they're not. Some of these guys just really aren't well. And uh, it says something about their stability and why they're even interested in these, these kind of far right yeah. groups. Does that make them more susceptible to joining these type of groups? Does is something about the message? Does something about the message make well, yeah. people in that mind frame? More I think the message is is just so antisocial, and it targets people. I think who feel like uh, social yeah. failures, and. Um, it makes, you know, it, it, it gives them an identity and gives them a mission, you know, and they self-appoint themselves to to destroy society, I guess. It's yeah, really no, scary. I mean, there's some deep psychology there. I mean, there really is. And I think it's very important for listeners to understand if you have, like, boys and stuff, you got to really watch out. A lot of these guys, like Andrew's father said they lost him to the Internet when he was 14. And Onishuk was up by himself on the on the online and all these guys are online communicating. They, I think they're vulnerable, almost like to be brought into a cult. And yeah. you could, you could, you could analogize Adam often as a cult. And this is our stuff. We're special. We're underground, you know, come and join us. And, and. Well, the, the far right. Yeah. The far right in general has just been so great at propagandizing um, recently and creating this, you know, this attitude and identity and, you know, we talk about all the time being edge lords, you know, uh, really holding up antisocial behavior. Mm-hmm. And it's, it seems like, you know, people would maybe they would get started with uh, joking around being racist on 4chan and then like eventually just try to prove more and more this uh, this attitude and identity they've adopted and end up into something like this. Yeah, no, it's interesting because in some of the, I think the guy's name, Adam Walker, remember, was Moria. She had this identity of a really intense far rightist, but then somebody investigated him and he had this like completely other real world identity. So it's almost like he had kind of like a dark alter ego, mm-hmm. but his real world was like he was, I mean, it gets stranger because some of these guys definitely have some homoeroticism things going on. Mm-hmm. Like you would think an Adam Waffen guy would only hang out with white people, but he had friends. He was a Mormon, apparently. So there's a lot of interesting things that did not come in his real life that did not comport with his online identity. Right. And I think so something profound happens to these younger men online. It's almost like they're they're being morphed into this other identity by and they have to talk it out and then they try to act it out in the real world. Right. It's like and, role playing. Yes. Yeah. 
And I think that that's why, I mean, you can kind of see it's interesting because Woodward, for example, who's still in jail and has not been tried yet because of COVID for, for allegedly killing Blaise Bernstein, you can see his online kind of pattern of they, they reenact the scene of the curb stomp from America, what is it? American, American history, history X. History yeah. X, yes. Yeah. So you see pictures of these guys doing that. So there's pictures of these other Adam Waffen members reenacting this curb stomp, which is a fake movie, right? It's a, it's fiction, but they're bringing it into real life. So there's something happening, very profound, uh, I think, in this in this in this kind of subgroup, that that's really psychological. So it has to do with Aspergers or something, but also the morphing of a personality through the internet, how you become a separate kind of person and then it, it comes to life in the real world. It's something really interesting. Well, you know, the Blaze Bernstein murder, I mean, it seemed like that the killer of him uh, really- The alleged died. killer, he hasn't been yeah. tried. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Gotcha. Like, he really, like, apparently he lured him in and made him trust him and... But there was an element of that that reminded me, you know, uh, Serfiel brought up Lords of Chaos. You know, there's that, there is that incident where one of those kids killed, uh, I guess, a homosexual man in the park mm-hmm. um, in, what was it, Norway? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's, 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 a, there's this idolization of like Varg, Verkeens, and, uh, Right, like, I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm curious about like do these do these guys like the kind of like the just like the incel uh I guess online community, do they are they like followers or like do they idolize somebody like Elliot Roger or like Adam Lanza, these these type of people? I didn't really see Lanza or Rogers, but I did see a lot of references to Varg Birkness, who is the kind of Norwegian right. I think Norwegian black metal guy who's a pagan. Who killed somebody? So you'll see people like like New to Jim and uh, Suvana Roth both knew of him in social media, so his influence was there. But I think that if you look at uh, there's yeah yeah I mean I don't want to get in there, there's a definitely some repressed homosexuality in these Autumn often guys. Not all of them, but some of them for sure. Because there's a lot of rumors about these guys what they really are in real life. But uh, and that goes back to the Nazis too. They were not as uh, straight as people might think but sure. uh yeah the s yeah ernst rome yeah and the sa yeah yeah hitler himself man i mean uh, these guys well see that, that brings up a good point that i wanted to bring up we were talking about james mason is that he idolized this guy uh james vaughn paul joseph franklin right 
I may be getting a couple of these people mixed up, but no, that's the yeah, same guy. So we have fake name. This guy was pretty much like, wasn't he like kind of a? He was like a transvestite, and he had a black girlfriend. No, that was Spizak, but very okay. similar. So he wrote about yeah, Spizak. It's like, and- there's just like weird cross purposes going on here. It just things just don't match up to what their ideology is supposed to be. Right. No, very true. It's, it's, it's almost bizarre. It's almost like they're role playing in real life as real tough guys. Not that's the Nazi ethos, but yeah, there's a deep psychology there that the internal real life does not fit the external well, the, dressing yeah, or characteristics. That, that, yeah, the cognitive dissonance is probably what um, triggers these events, and you know they're seeking yeah. to get to some kind of equilibrium or prove this assumed identity. And they have to do these extreme things in order to, you know, prove themselves. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that, yeah, that's something really deep psychologically is happening with these guys. Yeah, when I, when I read that about that guy, I just was like, I, I read that, I was like, what? Like, what? what is even going on here? You know, and, and, and that's the thing with all these kind of weird extremists. You see that kind of stuff again and again. It's like there's an outer life and there's an inner life. And there's the outer uh, persona that they that they give to each other, and then there's this personal life that they have that is totally apart from anything that they're actually supposed to believe. Oh, it's really true. It's really yeah. true. And and but that external persona that they're putting out can be dangerous. That's the whole yeah. thing. Is that it's right. real, but it's also a persona. So it's almost like a a, a version of the tough guy persona, this the Nazi persona. Yeah, no, there's some really interesting things. And you study all these guys, like I've read through a lot of this stuff, and you just see this this very, this uh, this kind of Jekyll Hyde type thing going on. It's really sad. I mean, it, it just showcases a lot of the, the failures of, of society, of counterculture and subculture and politics. Um, the fact that just this like deep-seated nihilism that's actually acted out into, you know, murder and extremism and terrorism. It's like, what does the future have in store for the more alienating society gets to young people? I mean, are we going to just see more of this in new, in new guises? You know, it's really terrifying. Yeah. I'm not optimistic. I really am not just in the way society is now, what people see on TV breakdown of some of these cities and the riots. I don't think that that's a real positive, uh, reaffirming type uh, thing for young people. So I think that people really have to be careful. And I think well, that's another theme of my book is like some of these people were really naive about the lethality of some of these people and they ended up dead. Like the parents of Giampa's girlfriend dead. Like that's why I call it titled it the slaughter of innocence. This kid Blaze Bernstein didn't know what he was dealing with. He ended up stabbed in a park he Had a ton of future talented, smart guy. And, uh, Maybe him and there was an interesting. This guy Picciolini was uh, he was a Nazi and then he left, but he did a really interesting ProPublica uh, investigation in Adamoff, and then he talked about Himmelman and Oshik. He said they just didn't have the time to become better men, you know. So they ended up dying in twenty twenty one. They could have changed and said, "Hey man, this they could have been anti Nazis after being into it." You just don't know. And so their lives were cut short by. Some, I mean, somebody shot an AK-47 at him. And when he's talking to the parents, Picciolini, he's talking to Onishik's parents, they just didn't have a clue. 
I mean, in my opinion, they just, they didn't know what their son was into. Like they brought out the Burzum shirt, which is a tied to Var Verkness, And they just were like, what's that? I don't even, you know, if I saw my kid wearing that shirt, I'd be freaked out. But they didn't seem to know, they didn't seem to have, have an inkling of what their son was up to. And also they were going, I mean, they, they, Onishuk and Himmelman had been down to, to Tampa. They were killed on their second try there or second trip there. And the parents didn't seem to know that they were going to visit with the head of Adamoff. They told their parents like some story. Oh, yeah, I got a job down there. So they believed it. That's what it seemed yeah. to me. That, that seems to be a common theme in a lot of this stuff. I mean, you know, the, the Columbine killers, it was the same way. I mean, you know, the parents didn't know. They didn't. They didn't know what was going on. I mean, they were those kids were making bombs, you know. Yeah, they were right. making bombs. There were tons of guns. Like they just didn't have a clue, man. Like they should have. And there was a what? Didn't they do the the killing on on Hitler's birthday? It wasn't was, it yeah, April twentieth? April twentieth, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. So then you see that time with Silvana Roth, who's like, uh, you know, had that not Nazi aesthetic. Talked about culling, all that stuff. Yeah, well, let's talk about her. And um, there was also, uh, was it uh, James uh, Gamble that was uh, her, uh, I guess, boyfriend? Or Yeah, and I think that goes back to that theme of online, the online persona becoming real life, right? She was online. She was on Iron March. And people really have good uh, information about her on those wiki, I mean, those Kiwi uh was it kiwi link links or whatever it was that the message boards but yeah she was had some relationship with james campbell there there she was planning to go from chicago to travel to halifax in canada and do a you know mass tiles massive slaughter a la columbine with two guys james campbell and randall shepherd and they had just met and she signaled a lot of the stuff they selected valentine's day february 14th 2015 and uh, it was interesting because she she had this Nazi fetishization. She was, I think, half Thai or something. So she's Asian and uh, tons of online stuff and dark literature and things like that. And uh, she traveled out. Somebody told about it, luckily. And she was arrested at the airport. But Gamble, once the police showed up his house at his house, he shot himself with a with a rifle and killed himself. But uh the, the judge in that case said, hey, you know, you are you were trying to do. We have all this information. We have all your chat lines between you and Gamble and what you were planning. And she was also like a Varg Virkness idolizer. Right. She wrote about him. Uh, in my opinion, few things are cuter than smiling Varg. Like, so, yeah, but she she had that whole thing and she had the whole kind of calling mentality. Yeah, and they had, uh, and also we mentioned the Combine Killers. I mean, they had an obsession with them too. I mean, they literally thought that uh, their the souls of Eric and Dylan went into their bodies, and just weird, weird stuff. Right. She like wrote something about him. I was to be his Eric Harris. He would be my Dylan Keebold. Yeah. You know, we yeah. must have known each other in a past life. Eventually, I realized that we really were Eric and Dylan. Their minds having refuge in our bodies sometime after their demise in 1997 what and and the thing is is that like they had um i mean it was easy for the police i guess how did they they found out i guess because they found the 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 text or somebody somebody had sent them 
that they were planning on doing this, or they had they monitoring the website? Yeah, she had posted something on the website, Der Untergang, Valentine's Day, it's going down under uh, their okay. their personas, right? Yeah. So he she was the kind of Adam Waffen school mask persona, and he was the guy from Scream. And somebody, I think, either I got that or something else, some other information, and that's that it, was this. And see, that's that's the thing. I mean, you have the case where the guy kills the other two dudes, and it just kind of blows it all open. So you know, they're they're literally killing each other. And then in, in this second case, you know that they that they make their plans pretty well known, and somebody blows the whistle on it and alerts the police so that they're able to stop it. Thank God before it happened. It just seems like these are not. I don't know. These are not the smartest you know, tools in the tool shed. No, they're not. Yeah, they're not. I mean, it's really, I mean, they, like I said, it's this actually a very common theme in this ideology. They kill each other or kill innocent people around them. I mean, it's, they, they're often not killing their intended targets. I mean, if you look through my book, they're more often killing each other than their intended right. targets. Right. But yeah, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of innocence. And I, I, yeah, it's just, I, I think that the despair in our society, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's getting better. Not at all. So we should go, backtrack a little bit to talk about uh, Ethan, uh, Ethan Meltzer and, you know, him being in the military. And this is kind of the, I mean, I mean, if this is kind of makes it more uh, in the news, you know, a little bit, I mean, because this is where, I, you know, of course I told you at the beginning, I mean, this is where I heard about it at first. And that's just almost just uh, one year ago that his indictment was unsealed. His name was Ethan Phelan Meltzer. There's not, he doesn't have a huge internet presence, so you can't quite go back through and kind of see his social media. But he was only 22, and he went by Etel Regard, which is dagger light backwards. He's from Louisville, Kentucky. And he was communicating secret information to somebody from the ONA, supposedly. And that's what his... Um, that's what his complaint says. And he's actually in the MCC in New York City with uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. They're both in the same kind of being held in the same kind of jail. Oh, so that's interesting. Okay. But the, the one thing that was fascinating about him is he there's pictures of him with this kind of skull mask, but also a copy of the sinister tradition from the Order of Nine Angles. So you see this very obvious, which I have on the cover of my book, the obvious ONA symbol. And uh, that sinister t- tradition was a compilation of other earlier ONA books like Naos and Black, Black Book of Satan, which they call Codex Saras now. But uh, yeah, he was uh, he was conspiring. He actually admitted it. They actually um, he said he was a traitor against the United States. Mm. He said he and this is like from the director in charge of the New York office. He said he turned his back on his country and his unit while aligning himself with members of the neo-Nazi group O9A. Well, see, that brings to the question, uh, how pervasive could this be in the military? Because, I mean, the military's got a lot of different groups that are vying for a lot of different, uh, for, for, for all these men and, and young women. I mean, they're, they're vying for attention. So how pervasive do you think that, that, that this is? I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. I, I was shocked to see how many, there's been other journalists, and I include kind of their I didn't have permission to repost. I would have reposted some of their work, but there's other members out there, named members holding and having uh, ONA books and things they're reading and all kinds of things like that. So the totality or how 
deep it is, I think is a really concern. And if they're following kind of ONA doctrines of getting insight rules, that's why they're trying to get in the militaries, get training. So if they're really serious about their intent to kind of overthrow the government and start their own kind of civilization, I think that uh, people, I mean, they need to really be concerned about it. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, Meltzer himself had something called the alchemy of hate, which included a section titled to Adolf Hitler as dark God. Well, it seems to me that it's only a matter of time before one of these people is going to pull something off. I mean, the guy in Britain in 97, I mean, he pulled it off and it keeps getting stopped, but eventually, I mean, it's probably going to happen. I'm not positive. I mean, look at Dylan Roof. Look at the guy who went into the um, synagogue, you know, killed like eight old geriatrics. So Dylan Roof, they, I mean, that's actually, and they call it the bull patrol in the right. So, because, because Dylan Roof had a bull cut. And that's another example, almost another person I could have written about. Yeah. Because he had that same thing, an online persona that he went crazy in the world, but his out external persona, he had African-American friends. There's right. recordings of people saying, there's no way he did that. We used to hang out and smoke marijuana and blah, blah. You know, it's like, right. yeah. so what happened to him? How did he get radicalized? How did he, and it's probably all just online, some older person manipulating him with these ideology. Hey man, these people hate you. Yeah. Uh, so that's was, another example. Yeah. I was really, really wondering about him uh, because like, you know, I know he could have just been online, but most I saw him with like Rhodesian flag patches and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And it's like most, you know, young racist kids aren't really going to get that deep into like this kind of obscure history and, you know, who was taking all these photos of them. And it almost appeared to me like there may, might be some maybe with some kind of handler. I but, think there was some question know. where he got the guns to. Yeah, the it, was, weapons. it was strange. Yeah. I didn't know that. But there's actually interesting stories about um, the guy who, Bowers was the name of the guy who went into the synagogue, that there were these other brothers, these Clark brothers who were also known neo-Nazis. And in the complaint, the Bowers complained against him. They said that he was either in communication, I think, with one of the Clark brothers and one of the Clark brothers went and killed himself the same day that ba- after Bowers did the assault. So I think wow. the prosecutors hinted that they may have been communicating with each other online to um, carry out attacks together. Yeah, there they was, intimated that. there was the guy that you talked about um, in Georgia. The Temple of Blood. Yeah, well, there's Temple of Blood, and then there's the Austin Austin Lane. Yeah, uh, that was uh, the yeah. base. Yeah, the, the, see, they yeah, were. Yeah, that was pretty big were... in the news. What yeah, I remember happen? hearing about that. Yeah, yeah, and of course, Temple of Blood. I mean, that's here in our part of the country. Right. I mean, it's what's interesting. Like one of the things that just researching this book is how these Nexions or how these groups, how much do, how much original literature they have because the temple of blood had a lot of literature and they have that their own book is iron gates which is like this post-apocalyptic book but they're publishing stuff from some of these guys who are in the ona in england right but they have their own their own their own books and doctrines and weird teaching so-called fiction and uh they're they flat out state in their manuals or in their one of their books they say we are a nexian of the order of nine angles 
So you'd be happy that your kid was in chess club, drama, or anything better than reading some of this stuff. So like there's definitely, to me, like where's the parental oversight? What's going on? But I mean, I think it's hard for the parents if their kid is on the spectrum too. That's another level of difficulty. So, Well, and, and, you know, you could find um, parents would be able to like find your books, but if it's all online, I mean, they probably just have no idea. Yeah, they just don't know. No oversight on what their kid's doing. But yeah, I mean, it makes you think like, hey, maybe you should have a little more activity to see if you're if your child is in this group, a potential group of possible criminal actors, you probably want to have a higher standard of oversight than you might have. I mean, so because these guys are young and they're they're um, definitely susceptible and this is their lives are a disaster. Some of these guys are going to jail. Danders is probably going to jail for the rest of his life. And the other two guys are dead. So, But another theme in the book is like some of these guys have pretty short sentences too. So, I mean, the head of the Adam Waffen division is going to get out. I don't know if he's going to be repentant or not. Yeah, the the Temple of Blood. um, Let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, like I said, it's it's a Nexian that's down, that's, you know, in the United States. They're influential. The guy who's been in the head of it is people have said that he's uh, an agent, but he definitely has a long pedigree of kind of far right politics. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And uh, they have their own kind of, like I said, they have their own literature and things like that. His name is Joshua Caleb Sutter. But they were weird. I mean, it's really weird because they have like they're sympathetic to North Korean groups, but you can kind of see that same kind of ONA ideology where they're just growing they're getting involved in in my opinion in these weird cult groups that further the the operation kind of chaos mentality of the ona yeah and they have an obsession with kali the goddess you know the hindu goddess as well yeah they want the age of they want to bring forth the prophesied age of kali and era of darkness and disintegration yeah and then you see like genesis peorge pops up with the ob and you see the same stuff. You see them holding Bluebird. You know, just crazy stuff. These people are out there. I think that's one of the important elements of the book is you think like, oh, nobody would be an esoteric Nazi. Uh, well, these people would. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that the authorities are being adequately uh, educated about some of these subcultures? No, I don't. I don't. I mean, they don't really mention it. Oh, pro- it was interesting because in the time that I was writing this book, things have popped up. There's like an NTCT thing where they said the ONA is a very dangerous thing. So I need to add that to this book. So things have popped up. So it seems like they're much more on the radar. And definitely there's groups in the UK who said the ONA should be banned or prescribed, what they call prescribed. But I, I think that they're going to start to realize the lethality of these doctrines and how dangerous they are. So I think that with the, maybe this book and other people talking about it, but like, for example, Australia, for the first time, banned a far right group. They banned Sonic Creek. So they literally prescribed it. If you're a member of Sonic Creek in Australia, you go to jail for 10 years. And they've, they've done, I think they Sonic Creek is banned in the UK, too. So the U.S. really needs to have a, a really smart response and just stop saying like white supremacy and, and kind of bloviating about that loaded term. But talk about some of these these other more dangerous groups yeah, with more specificity. It's a little more subtle than just that, right? Yeah. 
so you in the in the kind of like in the conclusion of the book you talk about some questions that need to be answered i mean and you talk about kind of like uh what we, we had you on to talk about last time which is smiley face killers and you kind of talked about a little bit that there might be some connection there well i mean these guys are out at night they they don't they're not like your standard nazis you march around and all of their kind of i mean you can talk like the culling doctrines and the culling texts that section in the book has like the lurker of the night where they're driving to go see and all these guys talk about going out at night not all but there's a there's a significant number in the ona who go out at night and, and uh are doing really dark stuff so i was actually i mean i was actually watching chinatown just the other day and they i was like the first it was a polanski film made in or was out in 74 and they actually had like an SFK type. It was the first SFK death I'd ever seen where somebody was drowned in one body of water and then moved to another body of water to make it look like an accident. It was incredible. It was one of the main oh, yeah. characters, actually. Mulray was one of the right, main characters in right. Chinatown. But so somebody may be doing something like this at night. I mean, I, I think that there's a, there's a significant amount of water themes in ONA and, uh, you know, Igor Sarsky, who I include, you know, my interviews with him in the book has his own opinions on that. But I think that people need to start uh, asking more questions about the, what this group is really doing. I mean, if they're talking about sinister uh, groups that are above the law, what are those sinister groups that are above the law? What are they doing at night? Because they're certainly not operating in day and all of their stuff is about nighttime stuff. Noctilian, so they have the symbol. Yeah, so this could be part of the culling kind of stuff, culling of the mundanes, that that could be part of it. Perhaps. I mean, I'm willing to ask that question. I asked that question. I don't have the right. answers. I don't have any evidence outside of what's in this book. But I do think that that's why I have that chapter start asking the right questions. Is I don't think anybody's asking that questions. Right. Or Nobody's asking the question about yeah. William Noctilius. Are you Noctilian? So the Noctilius is a bat that flies at night. And there's a really incredible picture of Adam Waffen members holding the symbol, the ONA bat symbol. So it's like they're symbolically telling you we operate at night, right? And uh, it's not in my book, but I gotta, I gotta probably put it in there. But uh, what do these guys know? I mean, people, the authorities need to catch up because I think that these guys think on a way that, and then you talk about motive for some of these nighttime crimes. The motive's right in my book and right in their documents, calling. Are they engines of evolution? Are these the people that they don't like? And I mean, there's stories on the in the ONA literature about them having contempt for People at bars at night, you know, goof, go falling yeah. around and drunks and stuff like that. So they're there. That's on their radar, not mine. Right. That's interesting. I mean, that's a good. I, wow. That's a. It's an interesting point because I remember reading that in the material that you reproduce in the book, or at least something very similar, if not these particular groups. Um, yeah. yeah some, something similar. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was my my in this book is my introduction to really underground literature and i'm sure there's more they state in their own documents the ona has literature the public hasn't seen and they have an oral tradition where they exchange information through words so i don't know what they're fully up to i know what they've written but i don't know what they're what they're why do they have smiley faces on two of their um internet informational websites i don't know you know so there's there's symbolic ties and i mean Molt was friends with another guy who's friends with all these occultists. He was friends with a guy by the name of David Tibet. He uses smiley faces all the time in his art. He was friends with 
Genesis P. Ord. So you see this at Cold Underground that they're talking to each other. And I think that's the worthwhile part of reading the Stephen Brown letters is that there it just shows that these guys know each they know each other. They're communicating pre-internet. It's really positive. Uh, I'm curious, William, have you seen Sons of Sam? Yes, I have. Uh, I was curious what you thought about it because some of the elements of it um, especially with these guys kind of killing each other seemed very, or themselves very or supposedly suicided yeah I mean it seemed very similar to the way that this is structured and then the fact that uh, was it uh, John John Carr um, is found dead on an air force base and then I can't think but help but think of Ethan Meltzer and you know the possibility of some of these groups being in the in the military yeah no you make a good point i mean i think that that i mean how much how are these cults different i mean are are they operating the same they have larger groups than you might think i think that's what the sons of sam shows and that's what maury terry showed and i've done an interview with this guy manny grossman who's going after some of this stuff and shows that that cult probably goes back very far uh, decades before it surfaced in 60 76 and 77 but uh yeah, I've done a couple of shows about Sons of Sam and some of the stuff, but you just see how how evil and lethal these people are. Like, I think that in this kind of cult, like they decided at some point they were going to start killing people in public. And I think that that's what that's what the sons of or the son of Sam killings were. And yeah. and Berkowitz took the heat for it, took the blame for it. Yeah. And then it seems like they started to kill each other. After Absolutely. Yeah. I think that they wrote that there were 20 deaths. I think they, uh, Maury Terry wrote there were 20 suspicious deaths, not just the two car brothers, but all these other people started turning up dead after um, the, sons of, the son of Sam killings in 77. You know, I was kind of familiar with Maury Terry's work. I mean, do you, do you think that he was on to something or do you think that he kind I of. I think so. Was... I think that he was trying to tell the truth as he saw it. I think he was local. Yeah. And I think that he was right. I think there was a lot more to the story. I think that the police were very fortunate to just have a nice bow, tie it up and say Berkowitz did it. But all these other people said that somebody else was involved or somebody else shot him. Denaro just wrote a book uh, about saying that I was shot by somebody other than the son of Sam. I was shot by somebody other than uh, thing. And he's actually walking around with Manny Grossman. I recommend you take a look at Manny Grossman's work because it's very interesting because Denaro's just flat out saying, yeah, it wasn't Berkowitz. And Berkowitz admitted to two of the deaths, I think. And then probably yeah. it was the Carr brothers and there was a woman involved. So there was a much broader group. But uh, yeah, I think I'm Maury Terry was on to something pre-internet. And we used to actually have that confirmed because I used to be on the Facebook page of The Ultimate Evil. I was on there with Opperman and uh, I think McGowan was on, I'm almost positive, just before he died. Oh, yeah. So he was po- I found out that he was posting on there under the name Trudy Leak. Um, and I always saw those names, but I didn't know it was Maury Terry. But he was still kind of researching all the way up to the end. And I think that he was on to I think that there was a lot of occultism going on in New York City at that time. A lot of dark stuff, a very dark era. Pedophilia and human trafficking and blood drinking and what do you think about the picking your brain here a little bit about the Roy Raiden angle? And I kind of look at the Roy Raiden angle stuff, and I can't help but think of that that could have been a basis for like Eyes Wide Shut, you know, yeah. Yeah, something like that. 
but uh, I think that that's an important part of it. I'm pretty sure. Do you? Was that in Ultimate Evil? Is that story about Menser? There was this guy who was supposed to be Manson too, who did one of the shootings in New York City and then shot Raiden. They were both. Yeah, I, I think, think one I'm guy not, was a neo-Nazi. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's in that or that's in in another work. Right. The, it's tied into the Cotton Club story, right? Right. So, right. But Raiden was there, and I think that. There was just a network. There was all kinds of weird stories. The story of the couple who had their blood drained. You hear about that story. I was associated with that whole New York scene. And that was clearly a cult. And then throwing some Mapplethorpe into the occult. And then the Sisman killings. You talk about, about Maplethorpe? Maplethorpe, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then uh, Sisman killings. I think that Berkowitz talked about Sisman being connected. And Berkowitz was the one who led... Maury Terry to the Arliss, Arliss Perry in Stanford, right? So these are just things that there that come out of uh, come out of, like Berkowitz knew more than he was telling, and still knew more than he. Was Which telling. you know, I mean, um, Maury Terry was right about who killed. He was right about right, was, right, because that's how it yeah. finished, finished out Sons of Sam, right? Right. At least that guy was involved. There may have been other people involved. They just came to that guy's thing. I mean, yeah, yeah. I actually wrote a an article about the Arliss Perry death before that guy got found. It's tight because it happened on Crowley Moss, October 12th. That's, that's right. what, that's, that's right. It did. Didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So you can yeah. look, look at my article. It's uh, the death of Arliss Perry, Crowley Moss. I forgot the full title. I'll put it in. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, you can read that. I wrote that in 2015 because I grew up in Palo Alto. So I knew that area. I knew the whole story. I actually knew the priest who officiated at that. Uh, it was, it's not yeah. a, that it's a non-denominational Stanford memorial. Right. That was at Stanford. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, it's really bold because it's really at the very center of the campus. That's what the, that quad area was really the core of the Stanford campus. So well, it's, it's really in your face. According to that documentary, Arliss Perry herself had spoken about uh, talking to people in some kind of cult. Right. So the rumor yeah. was that she was in Mino and tried to, she was a Christian and tried yeah. to convert somebody and they didn't like it. Yeah. I, so she was targeted. What, what was going on in Mino, North Dakota of all places? Right. <laughs> just the strangest place, like a military base. It's the air force base. Right. But what's a woman doing at a church at that? I don't even remember the year, but in like close to midnight, that whole story just doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. It doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with Walter Bosley's stuff. Sounds familiar. Uh, what did he write? Empire of the Will. No, I don't know that. Uh, he's local to you, so. Uh, uh, but you know, he talks about the. Um, it's Santa. San, San Bernardino. Bernardino. Yeah, San Bernardino. Yeah, he talks about the San Bernardino and the like 1915 and like a series of what he believes are like ritualistic murders. You should look up Bosley. He's an interesting guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot more of it than people want to really ever say. You know, they just kind of poo-poo it. But I think that some of these crimes are, I mean, you can put an anthology of satanic crimes. I mean, actually, like, yeah, I mean, you can see like how these guys, I, uh, I talked to Sarsky and he said one of the things that's similar to the SFK crimes is the death of Kilroy in Matamoros because they were looking for a sacrificial victim coming out of a bar, right? 
So all these SFK kind of deaths are the same thing. There are people late at night disappear. Is that the stuff that McGowan wrote about? I don't know. I don't uh, know if he did, but it was, yeah. I don't know if he, he covered, it was Jesus Adolfo Constanza. Yeah. He was a, he was a Paolo Malombe practitioner. Yeah. It gets, it gets really weird. It's dark and weird. Yeah. I thought I would ask you about that. Well, this is a dark and weird book because you would not think this stuff kind of, I didn't think any of this stuff existed. I didn't think it, there was such a thing as esoteric Hitlerism. So, uh, but you know, it's attractive to a certain sub 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 group and uh, people I think need to know about it because it's not a sub sub group of people, you know, doing basket weaving or art or, you know, something like that. They're all nasty yeah, death obsessed yeah, people uh, yeah i think that yeah i mean and I, really when it comes down to it i think a lot of them are just thugs and they're just using it as they're using all this kind of stuff as a means to justify that yeah it almost seems like all a lot of the ideological stuff is more uh yeah. secondary right interesting yeah i mean you could yeah you could say that as the nazis i mean some people just got into it for yeah what they really yeah not they didn't care about the ideology they're thugs that's true uh i think at that point um william i want to thank you for coming on uh this has been a a, a really great discussion about this uh, as always I always enjoy talking to you um the uh tell people where they can find the book where they can find uh, your website and uh i guess you still have the smiley face killer film up correct yeah it's around, it's on i put it on to amazon so it's on amazon my original one my other ones are on Vimeo. I got to put them back up. I just kind of got to do a couple things. The Kindle version is not, a Kindle and hardback versions of this book are on Amazon. And then you can buy a signed copy from my website, WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. You get signed copies of all my books at my website, William Ramsey Investigates. And then I have a podcast that I've been working on. I kind of got kicked off the YouTube. So if you want to kind of see a variety of different interviews, some about this book, some about other subjects, Sons of Sam, uh, you can go to William Ramsey Investigates on iTunes. Okay, excellent. All right. Well, thank you, William. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, stay on the line for us. We're going to close out this section. And guys, we will be right back to close out the show and also plug the Sage Realities Conference on Conspiranormal. Okay, we're back. We're back. And that was a really good interview with uh, William Ramsey talking about the Order of the Nine Angles in the Adamwaffen Division, or whatever it's called now. It's pretty sad, really. Um, Edgelords. The only the only fortunate thing is that, really, like these elements of the <laughs> most extreme fringes of the right, um, the fact that there's really no path to power... Yeah. And that the only thing they have to do is seek out young, very, you know, hurt, impressionable people to try to uh, do terrible things to create chaos. Um, and just the big tragedy is that, you know, just the lack of uh, the lack of imagination of a future or what kind of future people want that may be a better world for, for them, you know, instead of that, it's just this like 
nihilistic despair. Yeah, totally agreed. You know, it's it's weird. Uh, we definitely have different like cultural frames of reference. Um, you know, when we had the him on talk about the smiley face killers, there was definitely stuff that uh, correlations that I didn't really think were uh, had too much to them like with the psychic TV and stuff. But however, um, in the context of this, I mean, the stuff I've been reading recently, uh, it, it really does seem like Genesis Peorage never really fully answered for how much they promoted this kind of fascistic imagery. And of course, friends with Boyd Rice and all those guys. Right. Too, so, right. Yeah. They could, they could say that it was art and that, that, and, in the sense of right way. Yeah. But then when you see, right. you know, James Mason on, uh, Bob, yeah, on Bob, Bob Larson, Larson show yeah. with Michael right. Moynihan and Boyd Rice hanging out with them, you know, it's so like, they're in wow, the background. How, yeah. How much of this is art and how much of this is like, cause apparently Mason believes it, you know, he believes it. So and Mason probably felt like he was using their art. Right. His ideas. Right, exactly. Not them just wrapping uh, their art in uh, extremist fascist aesthetics because they're attracted to the aesthetics. Yes, yes. You know, it's weird. I mean, I've had a lot of uh, eye-opening uh, experiences studying a lot of a lot of this stuff because really, like, I was very influenced by the, you know, the apocalypse culture and how much of that really was, you know, a lot of that does line up with the the strategy of the extreme right at this time. Yeah, it's an, it's yeah, it's an interesting what's going what's going on. What's you know is it is it um, it's it's a it's kind of a it's kind of nebulous in a way. It seems yeah. like, but this stuff is you know just it's showing like you know these ideas that were like incubated in the eighties really come into full swing and people actually you know, acting out this ideology, right. Yeah, when they and they have no context for any of the stuff that like yeah went these before. kids could yeah, give yeah. a shit about right Boyd Rice right right well yeah very interesting we talked a little bit about the Sons of Sam documentary which uh, if you guys haven't seen that that's a definite uh, definite good suggestion we actually did a Patreon about that uh, not too long ago which you guys can check out on that feed uh, the usual uh, we are gearing up for Strange Realities Conference 2021. And uh, the website is getting is been updated with the speakers for this year, and will be updated soon with some uh, motel and hotel information for you guys to a uh, place for to stay with a hopefully a good discounted rate. So we are working on that. Um, Strange Realities Conference is October October. 15th through 17th of this year. There are going to be 21 speakers. Not all of them are going to be there at the venue at SIR, but we will have at least half of them there. And so if you guys want to come out and hang out with us here in Nashville on that time, uh, please, that is uh, $70 to do that. And it is $30 if you want to join us online, which will be broadcasting the entire conference online. So whether or not the speaker is there at SAR or at the at their home, uh, you guys will be able to check that out. So, uh, also mentioned before, our Patreon. Serfiel can tell you where to find that. 
can find that at patreon.com slash slash conspiranormal and join one of our three tiered secret orders um we are going to be recording a episode this week about uh, i'm going to uh well actually that was for this week yeah <laughs> we're behind this week but uh we're going to do something about uh the uh haunting in connecticut and the warrens um uh, you guys may have heard that already so yeah kind of some weird revisiting of yeah. that and uh, so every week you get a new episode on there. Every month we have our uh, $10 and up Mystic Crew Hangout where you get to see exclusive presentations. And at the $20 level you get an exclusive t-shirt and uh, experience at the Strange Realities Conference. That's right. And you can find all that information on our Patreon and also go to strangerealitiesconference.com if you want to find out about the conference and all the wonderful speakers that will be speaking there. All right, guys, that's it. Join us next time. Explore some. Robert Guffey is going to be hanging out with us. We're going to talk about Bella Lugosi being dead or something on Conspiranormal. Our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.